What are you doing? I'm eating popcorn. On mic? I thought we could make it like an ASMR thing. This That is absolutely not what ASMR is. Oh, I thought they ate stuff in that. <laughs> no. Oh, well. Warning. Incoming game. Warning. Incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 2001 animated series reboot, season four. I'm Jessica, and I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, we are still on the subject of which Bob should I pick oh. in Life's a Glitch. Which one do you think? <laughs> <laughs> It's so tough. Which one do you pick? My life is so difficult. I mean, on one hand, there's Bob, and on the other hand, there's other Bob. There's just too many Bobs. Wait, that was last episode. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you doing this week, Jess? I've been better. Oh, no. I've been sick for most of the week, which is unusual for me. I usually have a very healthy immune system and make fun of my husband every time he gets a cold. So I uh, guess karma came back and bit me on the butt. <laughs> I've been so happy that I've made it through this entire year without having to record feeling sick. Like, I've been, like, popping zinc every time I, like, visit family and friends. <laughs> it's worked so far. I, like, legit lost my voice on Sunday, which I don't think I've done since, like, high school. So I was like, why can't I talk? What's happening with me? <laughs> but how about you, Ben? How have you been? Oh, I've been, I've been fine. Fully recovered from the holidays, and now I'm just uh, getting back into the swing of regular life. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> so you ready to jump into this lovely episode? Let's do it. Great. So today we're doing season four, episode six, Life's a Glitch. It first aired on November 16th, 2001. and was written by Ian Pearson and Gavin Blair. And we open up with Dot and Fong checking in on Null Daddy. I'm afraid that since Hexadecimal left us... Wellman has reverted to his original Nibbles persona. Yeah, Fong has uh, put Nibbles in a jar with a leaf and stick to recreate its natural environment. <laughs> and since that goes so well for five-year-olds, it should obviously go well here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they can't communicate with him now that Hex is gone, but at least now they know that Nulls retain the code of who they once were. So they've got kind of a plan that they can recompiles the nulls that have been nullified by games by grabbing game info and then somehow injecting it into those nulls. However, that probably won't work on Null Daddy as he was nullified not by a game, but by a giant explosion that he caused. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit different circumstance, but at least that kind of proves their theory. And we cut to the diner where Mike is broadcasting a recap of what Hex did to little Enzo's icon. What exactly did Hex do to Enzo's icon before she made the ultimate sacrifice? And in the background, this uh, great little silent scene plays out where, like, little Enzo's waving and mugging to the camera. And then Matrix has a fight with Cecil for not taking their order. It's pretty great. I really love the little scene in the background. I am mostly not paying attention to anything that Mike says. <laughs> but at least someone in mainframe is actually paying attention to the whole virus thing yeah no one else is it's just mike <laughs> i remember yeah it was like a couple episodes ago they kind of briefly referenced it it's like oh yeah yeah we still haven't checked into your icon it's like why still <laughs> 
like, yeah, whatever. We'll get to it. We've got two bobs. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Dot's not sure which one she loves. There's much more important things to do. Yeah, speaking of, she's uh, FaceTiming with Mouse and re-discussing the whole Bob versus Glitch Bob romance problem. Dot's struggling to identify the proper terminology, and Mouse is struggling to follow Dot's logic. Are you with me? I'm trying to be. Mouse is kind of done with this whole thing. She's like, <laughs> you just you just gotta pick one. No one's gonna tell you. And Dot's like, well, why not? And she's like, fine, do this one. Well, I don't wanna. Well, that's why no one's going to tell you, Dot. <laughs> Even like Ray has like stopped bothering to show up in the background. You know? <laughs> like obviously, Dot. The only answer here is polyamory, but it's a 2001 cartoon, so it's out of the question. You gotta pick. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Ray, actually, couldn't he shed some light on this? Because like he literally escorted Goober Bob into mainframe. Like he has no behind the scenes knowledge of what what may have happened. Look, you lose the voice actor, you lose the background of it. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> even through Mouse, like even if they didn't have the voice actor, just have like have Mouse say, "Well, Ray told me this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like, she keeps mentioning that Goober Bob looks right, which I dispute. Yeah. And <laughs> Glitch Bob is the one who was there and defeated Megabyte and all that. We, we've we seen this scene already, and, like, this version doesn't go anywhere either. It doesn't. And then also, it just makes me mad at Dot again, because you had a Bob in which you confessed your love mm-hmm. and proposed to and we're planning on marrying, and his twin brother shows up, and your idea is, well, he's a little bit cuter. <laughs> so maybe I should? Like, that's, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, the logic is very flawed. Yeah. Anyways, Mouse is very glad that the game clacks and sounds. It's like, oh, well, sorry, see you later, bye. <laughs> Fong is uh, back to microwaving nulls again. <laughs> and uh, Bob bursts in like Kramer from Seinfeld. He's like, Jerry, we gotta split up! <laughs> Fong's like, oh, between you and Dot? Oh, finally, someone will bite the bullet there. We won't have to listen to it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. This will make things super easy if you're not in the picture. <laughs> and for some reason, they seem to think that if Bob separates from Glitch, he'll look like the other Bob. That doesn't track at all either, because he looked like this way long before merging with Glitch. Glitch Bob is just sure that this whole thing is going to work and asks for the password to the archives. At this point, Fong reveals that maybe he doesn't trust Glitch Bob that much either. Password? Uh, yes, I'm... Uh, well, it's... um. Uh... <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, TBH. <laughs> oh, oh, I gotta take this call, sorry. <laughs> so, there's a game coming? Oh, man, <laughs> I wish I could talk to you about this whole thing, but I gotta, I gotta go. We're just, I'm just gonna walk over here and we'll see. Uh, bye, talk to you later. <laughs> you know what I noticed, too? Uh, Glitch Bob doesn't seem to be having that disappearing problem anymore, either. Was that fixed? Yeah, they haven't referenced it. Somehow his OP powers are no longer held in check by his almost dying. Yeah. <laughs> so a klaxon sounds, and it's announced that a game has been detected heading towards Kit's sector. Dot sends Matrix, Andrea, and Goober Bob after it, then calls Fong to let him know, and he announces that he's actually going to be personally entering the game to make sure that the device is used properly, because, you know, Fong's got a history of making sure things are done properly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we get a fun little aside here where it looks like Hack has some mommy issues, <laughs> which was interesting. He's more just aggressive towards Brits, I think. <laughs> Did you say mom? Yeah, what? It is ma'am. Yes, sir. Ma'am! You called her mom! 
And then uh, they get the charge of following Fong into the game. And Matrix is not happy to see Fong. He is immediately hostile, like rip shit that Fong and the bots are coming to. What are you doing here? Like, did we just flash back to season three? <laughs> Calm down, Matrix. Like, this is, it's fine. It's a good thing Cecil's babysitting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll go well. Cecil straight up just doesn't care either that, like, little no. Enzo ran off. He's just like, whatever, they'll make another one. Yeah, whatever. There's already two. <laughs> we'll probably have three tomorrow. That's two too many. <laughs> Glitch Bob then turns to Mouse for advice, and uh, she agrees that splitting with Glitch is a bad idea, but does think that he should go after Dot. As soon as he starts talking about his feelings and how much he loves Dot, Mouse is completely supportive. Like, go for it, dude. She definitely needs someone to tell her what to do. And I apparently can't be it, so. But at the same time, Glitch Bob still asks Mouse if uh, she wouldn't mind letting him in the back door, if you catch my drift. <laughs> of which Mouse has no problem. <laughs> go for it. Well, I can help you there. And you're in. Whoa, I don't know what to say. so yeah so she bypasses fong's password gives bob the access to the files he needs and meanwhile in the game our heroes find themselves on top of a giant stove in a giant house i feel like there's a song like this (laughs) this is not my giant stove (laughs) this is not my giant house how did i get here What's interesting to me at this point is that Matrix doesn't recognize this game, but I immediately do. Oh, really? I see those coins and I'm just like, you can't read? It says the name on the coin. It's got the picture of the guy. Well, it's it's because it's the sequel. He hasn't played the sequel yet. Still, come on. Context clues here. (laughs) Though Andrea uses her spidey senses to feel that the user is headed their way and they run to the window to see what they're in for. This is the first time, like, this shows up later in the episode, too, that apparently Andrea has turned into a telepath. (laughs) I think she has used this before, where she's kind of, like, had some kind of sense of what the other game sprites are up to. Yeah. But... So little Enzo bursts in fashionably late, and they start to chastise him when who should appear but that old wascally waccoon. Oh no! Not him again! I literally wrote wascally waccoon. (laughs) Complete with W's. (laughs) Get it? It's a new version of Rocky the Raccoon. Oh, yeesh. Not again. Get it? There's a theme. (laughs) So meanwhile, Bob has put together some The Fly-esque pods to try and splice out Glitch's code, climbs inside one of them, but it doesn't work. I'm incredibly disappointed that Bob does not do a Jeff Goldblum impression here. Like, you have no (laughs) idea how disappointed I am. That would have been great. Not one stutter, not one um, uh, like, not even close. He should have popped in, like, you know, um, with his shirt open. Yes! Why didn't he show his chest? <laughs> you cannot reference Jeff Goldblum and not do more. Come on. <laughs> it's all Goldblum or nothing. Meanwhile, Enzo has rebooted into a Pinocchio. Matrix has rebooted into Darth Vader. Bob into some soldier dude. Andrea into a Barbie. Fong into a thing of yogurt. <laughs> and Hack and Slash into some soda. Yeah, the yogurt is, like... Double parody, too, because he's not just talking like Yoda, but he's actually Yogurt from Spaceballs. Look, you can't just do one parody. There's layers. Yogurt has layers. If you buy the ones with, like, the fruit on the bottom of the cup. (laughs) It's true, yeah. (laughs) But what's the deal with little Enzo's very annoying speech pattern? That was really annoying. (laughs) I don't know. I don't understand it. What are 
These things? They're like trying to go for mannequin, but... Is that like a Pinocchio thing? Does Pinocchio talk like this? Pinocchio doesn't talk like that. That's what I don't understand why they're doing it. I think I feel like the whole thing was for the mannequin bad walker pun. Like, <laughs> oh, in order to make it really fly, you've got to say it awkwardly. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky enters the kitchen, and that's when the gang gets to work. We see a wild Rube Goldberg machine kicking off, and uh, Rocky's kicked right back out. We've got one life down and two to go. Yeah, he gets knocked outside and dies instantly. So I guess the bird box creatures are out there and he didn't have his blindfold. <laughs> Is that what's going on? <laughs> it's actually, it's more like the happening. Like the trees are outside. And then oh, no. <laughs> Back in mainframe, Glitch Bob attempts to using a Star Trek transporter to filter out Glitch's code. And that doesn't work either. He somehow ends up transporting the Picard binome from the bathroom. And luckily he was just brushing his teeth and not sitting on the toilet. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been way more awkward. <laughs> I do love, though, that this Bynum does not care. No, no, he's, you know, un... Unfazed. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so Yogurt Fong and Andy head to, I guess, the outer wall of the game and attach the device while Fong does some quipping as Yoda for a while to Andy's irritation. Automatic sampler is. Leave it. We can we also learn here that the device is completely automatic. They don't need to watch it. And Fong really was just trying to get away from Glitch Bob the whole time. Yeah, right. It's like, yeah, this basically runs itself. <laughs> that guy's creepy. <laughs> Getting real needy. <laughs> so Glitch Bob is pouting. Uh, he's apparently tried to get through Bandersnatch like eight times and still hasn't gotten a good ending yet. <laughs> And finally, he brings up the footage of Gigabyte being split into Hex and Megs, and finally realizes that the answer has been right there the whole time. He just needs a tear. Back in the game, Original Flavor Bob and Matrix are throwing fruit and other sundries over at the raccoon, but it's getting tiring, especially with little Ken doll hands. <laughs> Soda Can, Hack, and Slash are so nervous they're starting to fizz up, which gives Dopey Enzo an idea. Outside the game, Bob is rushing around the main office asking Dot to release tears, and Dot is all like, wait, what's happening? I've got, there's a game going on? What? Yeah. He's like, it's fine, it's fine, there's plenty of people in there. Yeah, she's like playing the waiting game, and waiting is not something that Bob is at all interested in. <laughs> He's like, I want a tear made now, I'll explain later, safety be damned. <laughs> And she's like, this is kind of out of character for Bob. And I'm like, hmm, impulsive, lack of planning, playing fast and loose with his own safety. Sure sounds like Bob. Sounds exactly like Bob. I think this is the point where Dot has convinced herself that this is un-Bob-like so that she has an excuse later. <laughs> but speaking of the game, it is pod racing time. Yeah, Rocky has made his way to the table. Puppet Enzo lets loose the soda can fizz and rides the cans. Steering them around the room until they collide with Rocky, sending him outside again to die. Nothing like a Mentos and Coke mobile to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> Only one more life left to go. Can they pull it off? Meanwhile, Glitch Bob has prepared a tear. He turns it into a portal and heads inside just as Rocky Three makes his attempt to cross the kitchen table. It's the final countdown. He's almost at the cookie jar. He's barely getting there because all the toys are holding desperately onto his limbs. Until Darth Matrix rides in on a turkey, kicking him in the kneecap. Rocky goes down and slides on this uh, yogurt spill right to the cookie jar. And he takes the lid, tosses it towards Andrea, who dodges it with a like, psychotic, twitchy smile. <laughs> yes. And the, the cookie jar is filled with coins, too. It is. But I guess he's going to eat them anyway. 
Yeah, he's he ch- he's gonna take one out and hold it and stare at it <laughs> just long enough for the heroes to get their licks in. Andrea throws her purse down his throat, choking him. And then uh, little Enzo gives him a little kick of too much capsaicin, <laughs> causing him to explode. Explode. Yes. Okay. Well, it's a cartoon, so that tracks. Yeah. <laughs> And as everyone congratulates each other, Andy feels a disturbance in the force. So it's interesting here, Matrix compliments her on her doll hair. Yeah. I liked your hair, by the way. You mean you don't like it now? (laughs) And she snaps at him, and I feel like this is going to come back later. Like, something is wrong, and it's not necessarily the glitch bob thing. Hmm. Like, I can't remember exactly what happens with this, but it almost feels as if, like, she took part of the game with her. Okay. Maybe that has to do with the device? That's what I was wondering. She got, like, radiation from it? She has a tumor now. (laughs) (laughs) She's a tumor. (laughs) Anyways, Bob is inside a portal trying to use his splitter, and it does not work well. No, the portal explodes and a barbecued Bob flies out from it. He's completely black with, like, this star field and yellow and orange streaks flowing through him. I'm calling it space carbonite on my end. (laughs) Yeah, space carbonite. Andy tries to poke him with her nail, but it breaks off. And I'm not sure what exactly she hoped to accomplish, because, like, doesn't she have poison nails? Is she just trying to put him out of his misery? She's, like, paralyzing nails, and he already seemed paralyzed, <laughs> so... But Doc calls in the Guardians for extra help, and they've got Turbo and his gang working on the case. Turbo promises to keep them informed as things go on, but, um, original Flavor Bob is thinking that maybe he's causing more trouble than it's worth, and he should head back to the supercomputer. That's like, no, 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 this is good. There's only one Bob now. This decision just got a whole lot easier. I'm not going <laughs> to marry some vegetable. Way to go, Dot. Way to care about people. Yeah, it's like he's in a coma. Dot can play. <laughs> is it like the opposite of while you were sleeping? Like, are, is, is she Sandra Bullock in this? What's happening? <laughs> now we get this like cheesy dialogue from them that's like torn straight from some fanfic, I think. <laughs> oh, promise me you won't leave. I promise. I promise. I love you. I've always loved you. Marry me. We'll always be together. (laughs) Then they kiss as credits roll and they live happily ever after the end. What did you think, Ben? I'm really conflicted on this one, to be honest. I feel like it started off really good. Like, the first act was funny and interesting. And then once the game stuff started happening, it just felt like a lot of padding and retreading of stuff that we've already seen. And then, like, the stuff with Bob was, like, kind of barely there. Like, it was, I kind of half liked it, half didn't like it. And then the end just kind of, like, lost me. (laughs) The final act was just kind of strange. Didn't really have the intended impact. Didn't land. I think I pretty much agree entirely with your assessment that it was a well-structured episode and the jokes were fun. And, like, I felt like a lot of the surface stuff was there that was supposed to be there. Yeah, there was good jokes throughout. Yeah, and, like, it kept my interest and, you know... Good, good stuff. But at the same time, I am completely over the which Bob should I bone question. <laughs> I like was over it in the first five minutes, but now I'm really over it. It's like if a clone of Luke showed up and he looked maybe like two years younger, what would you do? <laughs> I would be like, I live with this Luke, this one in my house. Like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> exactly. He could be an imposter. Exactly. <laughs> but then again, if Luke disappeared for a year came back looking all different, sounding different, and then original flavor Luke popped up a little bit later. I mean, I think we might have some things to talk about, don't get me wrong. But one, I'm already married to my husband. 
you know, going on seven years here. So there's a lot of history. <laughs> like it's, it wouldn't be, it'd be less like who would I choose and more like who lives, do we all sleep in the same bed? That'd be kind of weird. Maybe, do we rotate? I mean, do you just go with the mouse route and polyamory it? <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like that would, you'd have to just live in the same house at that point. <laughs> just just permanently my two bobs. <laughs> yeah. On top of that, I'm just very disappointed. I don't know if I'm disappointed in Dot. I think I'm disappointed that Dot has been relegated to this character of, which should I choose? Who should I love? Like, Dot has always cared so much about everything else so you're not disappointed in dot you're disappointed in the writers <laughs> yeah i guess you know she was always so into the big picture and for her to suddenly be like oh but which boy do i like more like her little brother has a virus code and no one's talking about that <laughs> yeah you know how much shit she would be flipping like two seasons ago or like the science behind what's happening like they kind of briefly talked about it for a second like oh we ran tests but like, I feel like that would be boggling her mind a lot. Like, what is what is the reason? How did this happen? Right. Or she would be stressing out about that instead of, you know, which Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it feels like really weird for me. Like, it doesn't feel like Dot. Especially because we already had that last episode. Like, yes. if they had just relegated, if they had just kept that dilemma in the first episode and then kept up with her, like, trying to figure out the whole null problem, you know? Yes. Like, working behind the scenes on that instead, that would have felt a little bit better, probably. Yeah, and, and it, they, she does worry a little bit about the nulls, so it's not completely about Bob, but it feels completely about Bob. Yeah, it overshadows completely, because it's only in, like, the first ten seconds of the episode, <laughs> the null thing. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like that would be another thing that she would be more concerned about. Like, the Bob thing is weird, and I think that they should talk about it, but it's only thing on her mind, and... That, to me, is a little disappointing. But now we've got a wedding in the works. Ooh. Who's going to uh, forever not hold their peace? <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that Ray's not going to talk, so we don't have to worry about him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if anyone is going to give Dot advice on not settling down, it's probably going to be Mouse. Yeah. It's not a bad episode. It just feels... A little lackluster. And I think on top of that, too, knowing that this is the end of the series. Right. That also, it's just like, this isn't what I want to end the series on. I don't want to end the series on this. <laughs> Not like this. <laughs> Not like this. If we'd somehow flip this, if this had somehow been before the whole Damon thing, mm -hmm. I might feel less strongly about it. But <laughs> I don't know how that would have worked, but... <laughs> You know, give me the higher stakes stuff at the end, not the... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You need to need to go out with a bang. End with Hex's sacrifice, you know? Yeah, that's an ending. Right. <laughs> Anyways, we're done. We'll talk, we'll talk about... <laughs> we'll continue more to talk about their relationship next episode. <laughs> yeah. Pixelacious! All right, so uh, do you have any trivia this week? I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of references in this one. Oh, my goodness. First, we get Mike the TV's Little Brother TV show, which is <laughs> obviously a parody of the nascent reality TV shows that were appearing in 2001, uh, including Big Brother, uh, where <laughs> instead of being people who have volunteered, he's just stalking them out in their lives. They've signed no, no release agreements, but <laughs> he's still doing it. We then get the semi-disappointing Fly reference with no Jeff, actual Jeff Goldblumness, <laughs> <laughs> but pretty much the exact pods from the fly, yeah. which is pretty fun. They had to cut the Jeff Goldblum impression to have more uh, dot whining. <laughs> we then follow that up with more Star Trek, including the transporters and a little Picard brushing his teeth. <laughs> 
And then we get Star Wars and a lot of it. We've got little Enzo being Anakin or Mannequin, Bad Walker, and big Enzo being Darth Vader. Get it? They're the same person. Get it? Oh, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> we get pod racing. We get uh, Soldier Bob wielding a quote unquote lightsaber. Oh, this was just after the Phantom Menace came out, wasn't it? Yes, this is right after the Phantom Menace. We get him telling Enzo to use the sauce. <laughs> we get Yoda yogurt <laughs> talking in Yoda speech. And we get uh, Darth Matrix on a ATAT turkey. <laughs> we get Dot calling for command 4.06, which is this episode's production number. And uh, one thing that I found on the wiki that I thought was pretty fun was Mike, when he's on his little TV show, asks if this aspect ratio makes him look fat. <laughs> they actually changed the aspect ratio in this season. <laughs> Because previously they had the 4-3 aspect ratio, and now they've got more of the widescreen. So he is referencing that he does have a new aspect ratio. Does he look good in it? It didn't make the characters look fat. What it did do is they stretched out all the credits, because all the words are wider than they used to be. I did not notice that. They didn't update the words? If you were to squish the 16 by 9 into a 4 by 3 then all the credits and titles would look normal. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but then everybody else would be, like, too tall and narrow, but. I did enjoy all the Star Wars references. It was obviously pretty timely at the time, but it's kind of timely now because Star Wars is back. And uh, I did get a big kick out of the little Enzo as Anakin, big Enzo as Darth Vader <laughs> joke that they stuck in there. I can't believe I didn't even catch it. I was just thinking that he was dressed as like Luke Skywalker, not as Anakin. No, he's Mannequin Badwalker. Yeah. And he's pod racing. <laughs> <laughs> that all blew right past me. <laughs> So, uh, we've kind of done this game before, haven't we? Not necessarily. Ooh, do you have a new game? Yeah, what I'd like to talk about is the Incredible Tune Machine. The Incredible Tune Machine. Yes, it's a spinoff from The Incredible Machine, which was published by Sierra Entertainment, 1993 to 1995. And what they were are Rube Goldberg devices. So you would just design your own or solve, try to solve puzzles using uh, Rube Goldberg machines. And uh, the Incredible Tune Machine was a version of that that focused on these cartoon cat and mouse called Sid and Al. So very much in the vein of this whole like Rube Goldberg contraptions that you see in these Rocky Raccoon games. It's like, you know, balls hitting scissors that drops a 16-ton weight on something else and then like, <laughs> usually ends up squashing the cat or the mouse or like having the, the mouse come in reach of the cat so we can eat it. You know, it's uh, a lot of little fun things like baseballs that go ow when they get hit and stuff like that. It's it's very entertaining. And I actually played it quite a lot back in the in the 90s. Yeah, this was like fun. I think I'd play that. Yeah, I think they've come out since then. Looks like in 2013, Jeff Tunnel also started work on a spiritual successor called Contraption Maker, which looks like it's on Steam. Contraption Maker is, and I think uh, Incredible Machine had an iOS release at one point. But yeah, just a lot of fun little Rube Goldberg puzzles that may or may not involve dumb cartoon animals. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the question is, does the hot sauce make you explode? Now that... I don't remember. <laughs> I think, if anything, it does, like, set you on fire. Like, you'd have smoke and fire coming out of your mouth. But I don't think there was any exploding happening. That makes sense. This is wrong. This is all wrong. In the course of watching this episode, did you find yourself an extremely convoluted frosty moment? 
So I very much enjoyed the face that Andrea made when she got a cookie jar thrown at her. (laughs) But my frosty moment has to be the silent fight between Matrix and Cecil in the background of Mike's TV show. Oh, it was so good. (laughs) The whole thing. Just Matrix getting angrier and angrier and then chasing Cecil around (laughs) and Enzo cracking up. And like Bob and uh, Andrea are like trying to like settle him down and like hold him back and stuff like that. (laughs) But it was so great that they could at this point pull that off as a background joke like that's it's a joke that builds on what we already know about all the characters because you Mm -hmm. you don't hear anything and you've got another character walking around in the foreground so it works because we know them so well at this point and i don't know it was really funny i really enjoyed that what about you ben do you have a frosty moment i had the exact same runner-up and frosty moment oh no yep (laughs) andrea's face was my (laughs) runner-up the twitchy eye grin and that whole background scene was my frosty moment as well. <laughs> With little Enzo mugging and waving to the camera. It was all that, that whole bit. We were on the same exact page. <laughs> well, then at least we know that part was good. Yeah. <laughs> so as usual, we uh, put out a tweet and a Facebook post to get your feedback as we go. And uh, we have uh, Nolan Hayes. Saying uh, that freaking ending, so you can see the uh, savage script cuts that uh, apparently Gavin has talked about. Says that it hurts the characters. He's not a huge fan of the overly saccharine delivery and is basically his main point of evidence for Dot's PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> he doubts that she'd be so callous otherwise. She's had enough and is going to be happy, damn it. And you know what? That actually occurred to me at some point. Like, maybe she's just broken at this point. <laughs> maybe she has been through a lot. I mean, yeah. she was the general of a failing rebellion for who knows how long. She's pretty much thought that her entire family was dead. And now everything's quote unquote normal and two bobs show up. That's pretty much all I can think of is that at this point her mind is just like gone. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> you don't get just one bob, you get two. <laughs> he d- Nolan does say that he loves the uh, Starfield effect on uh, Glitch Bob at the end though. Kind of a nice odd link between cyberspace and outer space. It does look pretty cool though. When he was flying out of the explosion, I was cracking up because <laughs> it just looked like they weren't animating it. Well, he was in carbonite. Yes, which you know later when he lands. And you're just like, oh, he's frozen. But when you don't know that, it just looks like he's just, they're like, we're not going to bother with the animating part. He's just going to be like a little doll. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel Borat on Facebook says that perhaps Mike's got that found footage from the principal office, but... In other news, one Bob's in a coma while Dot's getting married in the morning with the other Bob, and I'm sure nothing bad at all will happen from that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everything's going fine, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Rob Horrocks, you know, he kind of agrees that the plot falls a bit flat, but he does love some of the Star Wars jokes in the game. Steph Naylor agrees, lolling to the mannequin Skywalker joke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Chris Mooman-Nayardi kindly says that he's going to miss us once the show is done, as we only have two more episodes left. Oh my goodness. It's been quite a road. I can't believe we only have two more. It's been a journey, that's for sure. We should probably bring up the uh, Patreon here and what our plans for it are also, because by the time this comes out, we'll probably have finished recording our other two episodes. That's true. So what we're going to end up doing is keep the Patreon up through the month of February, release the last couple episodes, as well as our final interview with Gavin Blair, at which point we will start putting out the bonus episodes out onto the main feed and then kind of shut the lights out on Patreon because we don't want to keep charging people when we're not putting out content. 
uh, a big thank you again to everyone who's been a patron and who's participated in talking with us online uh, or who's just listened to the show and enjoyed it. And, you know, we really appreciate it. It's been a super fun journey so far. And I don't want to do the whole goodbye thing yet because we're still two episodes out. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's been really it's been really fun talking about it and hanging out with people. Yeah. Thanks, to everybody who's been uh, supporting us over the last several months. It's been uh, we greatly appreciate it. Definitely. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. All right. Well, before we go, is there anything you want to recommend to our listeners this week? Uh, so I'm going to recommend another comic buddy of mine. Uh, his name is Patrick Lay. He makes comics at patricklaycomics.com. Uh, you can also follow him on Instagram at plutarian underscore two. Uh, and he posts a lot of whips and uh, other stuff that he's working on, which is nice. Uh, and then he's also, if you're on Twitter, he's on Twitter at Plutarian underscore two as well. He does this fun comic about this lady and a ghost. It's really cool. He does a lot of ink and paper uh, and he does a really fun job with it, especially he manages to get the lettering really fun. So that's something that I always struggle with. He does a great job with it. So <laughs> I say check him out. Uh, PatrickLayComics.com. What about you, Ben? Do you have something you'd like to recommend today? Yeah, it's um the music of J.G. Thurlwell. He composes a lot of kind of like experimental instrumental stuff under the names of Steroid Maximus, Manorexia. Uh, you've heard his music as the scores for the Venture Brothers and I believe the Archer theme song. But uh, I really recommend the the three Steroid Maximus albums. They're really cool. And uh, they're, they kind of like defy genre like you can't even like describe the sound a lot of times there's like so many different <laughs> elements and uh influences kind of like experimental bossa nova noise rock <laughs> it's like sure yeah that but if you like the music of the venture brothers i mean that's where it came from that's steroid maximus but uh jg thorowell that's the composer's name all right cool about to check it out. In the meantime, you can always check us out online at Incoming Game Pod on Twitter, Incoming Game Cast on Facebook, and IncomingGameCast.com. You can find me at Dudworks, D U D W O R K S. You can find me at Stirvino Lady, that's S T I R V I N O Lady. Our the music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. And I still have a whole bag of popcorn here. Are you sure you don't want to try the ASMR thing? Oh, let me go get my chips. We can do it in stereo. Oh, nice. All right. <laughs> Stay frosty, folks. <laughs> Game over. User wins. Welcome to Incoming oh, Game. I gotta the finish pod- the actual popcorn oh. that's in my mouth. <laughs> We're actually doing this the whole time. <laughs> well, there's our blooper. <laughs>